Welcome to BungaCast, the global politics podcast at the end of the end of history with George Hoare in London. Hello. Hey, yeah. Uh, Philip Cunliffe, who's in London, Canterbury, one of the two. In Canterbury, yeah. Hey. Hello. They're not the same. London hasn't grown quite that, that big yet. But no, it's wonder. true. Yeah. Uh, and myself in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And hello. 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 Amber Lee Frost in LA. Hello. How's it going? Hey there. It's good. It's been a while. It has been far too long. <laughs> far too long. Um, so let me tell you what we're going to be talking about today. Um, we often talk on this uh, podcast, certainly when we talk about society and culture, we talk about individualism and about atomization uh, and how these are factors in politics. For example, the decline of voluntary associations like trade unions, or maybe how protest often today seems more about expressing yourself than achieving political goals. Well, some of these contradictory attitudes are most clearly expressed with regard to the family today, the family as an institution. A lot of people on the left, radicals, seem to want to tear it down or dilute it or at best ignore it. Um, So what we're talking about today are proposals for family abolition and looking at how much purchase they have and what they say about the left, about radicalism, and about contemporary society, I guess. So... Uh, In preparation for this, I was looking back at Christopher Lash's book, Haven in a Heartless World, um, a study of the family. In the 1977 preface, or 78, I'm not sure, he says, many radicals in the 70s have rediscovered the importance of family ties, often without even having read Haven in a Heartless World. Some of them have come to this position out of a need to put their personal lives in order. Others have discovered the value of the family in the course of their experience as community organizers where once they found the family to be a bourgeois institution and a bastion of male chauvinism, they soon found that the working-class family constitutes an important cultural resource in the working-class struggle to survive. I think that's a pretty decent summation of his concerns in that book, actually. Um, But he's obviously reflecting on the wave of radicalism in the 60s and where that ended up in the mid-late 70s when he was writing. Today, though, we're kind of encountering a new wave of radicalism, the Great Awakening, which I guess you can date from something like 2012. And I don't know, but I kind of feel like we should be talking about a revolution in cultural attitudes, which is happening right now. Um, And it's always an important question to ask about how continuous this is with the 60s revolt, because it bears a lot of similarities to it, but also some important differences. Anyway, with all that in mind, uh, we have a book here, which we're kind of using as a basis for discussion, amongst other things, Uh, a book by Sophie Lewis, called Abolish the Family. Um, And she's, I guess, emerged as a foremost advocate of family abolition. Um, And she declares that uh, ever since the capitalist victory over the long 60s, the shout for abolition of the family has been buried beneath a strange kind of shame. That seems to tally, at least with Christopher Lash's observation in the late 70s. But Sophie Lewis maintains that it's back now. Family abolition is back on the table. And she dates this to 2015, when concern with abolition, abolition of prisons, of police, etc., has now also turned to the family. So 
perhaps family abolition was in abeyance for, I don't know, 20, 30 years since the mid 70s, but now it's back. So um, guys, we've all read Sophie Lewis's book. Um, and I, we're not going to pretend that it's a good book and that it's worthwhile to read. Um, but we've picked it because it maybe crystallizes or exemplifies a certain tendency, perhaps in exaggerated form. So just to get the just to get the bullshit out of the way, what are you? <laughs> what are the bad bits of the book? So we can get that out of the way and, and turn to the more serious stuff. Who wants to go? Yeah, I could I could kick it off a little. Bit. I just think some of the the I I suggested that we get some of the over exuberance in the writing out of the way first because it's. Yeah, I mean, I think there are actually some good points in this, and I'll try and in the book, and I'll, I'll try and make that case as we as we go on. But some of it is written in a very, you know, very caffeinated way. There's a lot of uh, descriptions which have uh, a clear audience in the industry, not perhaps in in the general public. And that's I don't know. It, it makes you think. What is the audience of this book? Who's who's trying to be convinced here? And so when you read it, there are some bits where you're just like, there's some pretty pretty strong uh, language in this bit or that bit. Amber? Uh, I mean, I would say my problem, and you'll have to forgive me, I read Abolish the Family a while ago and like half a full surrogacy now are in the same time, so I'm probably going to like mix them up, but I think it makes sense to, you know, it's her oeuvre and they're definitely related. Um, I think a lot of my problems is that she makes a lot of normative statements Um sort of about what family is or isn't without justifying it hmm. or, you know, without making the argument that that's actually the organization of the family. Um, two, I mean, I think she argues that arbitrariness is what makes family bad. Um, like, you know, the arbitrariness of biology, which one, I've got tons of non-biological family. So again, it's another normative statement, but I don't think arbitrariness is definitely bad. I don't think a lottery in terms of who you end up with is necessarily bad for you. I think, I think having a family is a, is a pretty good um, training for, for children to know that you don't always get to pick your company. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I also, I mean, in talking about arbitrariness, um, some of her positions seem utterly arbitrary and she swings between yeah. declaring the family to be you know one thing this unfair lottery you know this is the question of arbitrariness that amber's just been talking about but also that it's intimately tied to work and that also it's a privatism but it's also a haven in a heartless yeah. world and it's just completely undecided on it also i, would... I mean this is you know she this is um peak millennial narcissism on her part but you know the number of i statements and not in a kind of confessional manner or in a way drawing from her experience but just as a way to underscore a political point she'll say what she feels like which doesn't seem to me very much to the point so you know she's just discussing the 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 soviet um um revolutionary Kolontai and dis discusses that, you know, well, there was good things and there was bad things. And, you know, then she went with Stalin and blah, blah, blah. But there's no ignoring her capitulations. Yet one can still derive, I feel, considerable pleasure from the fact that for several decades, she was the best known ambassador from the USSR. Well, I'm glad that that gives you um, a feeling of pleasure. Pleasure, um, yeah. It's quite nice. Yeah. And just in, in, in general, I think it's the, the, the book is like filled with these declarations where 
you're like, okay, so you're talking about this thing. And then suddenly you realize that, in fact, the reason for family abolition is that it's a decolonial imperative. And all traitors to the white race, the way that she describes herself, should uh, should embrace this position, which is nice that KKK kind of language is, is, is making a yeah. comeback on the radical yeah. left. Yeah, it's good that we're using that. That's a nice that. innovation. I, w- I would add to that is a broadly, though, a broad ambivalence about everything and broad equivocating and a lot of cognitive dissonance. Like she's, she has trouble holding a position um, about anything, you know, birth is horrible and traumatic, but also it's no different from any other work is, is a good example. Like it's uniquely, it is different, but also it's just like anything else. And it's, well, you, you got to pick one. Yeah. And at, and at the end we learned that actually immigrant families should not be separated because this is a bad thing. Um, but family should definitely be abolished. So that's the whole know, book. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, so you, so now you're listening to this listener and going, "Why the hell are you talking about this book? It's terrible." Um, but again, we want to kind of explore why um, these attitudes to the family have a certain um, appeal on the left, if they do, and maybe question whether they do, in fact, have that, and kind of what it says about maybe the family more broadly. So it's this is just a sort of entry point. Um, but I want to know what d- Phil has to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think she's, um, I think one thing that can be said for it is an attempt to, you know, seriously engage with um, Shulamith Firestone's ideas, I think is probably overdue. Um, but this, yes. uh, this isn't it. So, you know, um, that's, I guess, the issue, but it's worth, it's worth, um, I guess it's worth recognizing the fact that she sees something there and thinking how she mangles some of that, I think is also kind of worth thinking through as well. So, you know, for the listeners who are wondering why we're, why we're doing this, um, given our kind of uh, skept- general skepticism, you know, which I share, with, I agree with what everyone's already said. Um, but yeah, I think there is something to the, um, to trying to think about Firestone's ideas and why, you know, why they might not work, which is a separate question from why Lewis's uh, um, arguments might not work. Yeah, nice. I think I'm glad you made reference to that. We're going to talk just in a second about how Lewis's account of the family and her proposals relate to other earlier radical proposals by both the new left and uh, the old left that preceded it. Well, hello, listener. I hope you like what you're hearing. It's a short excerpt from an episode that's available only to subscribers. Want to support BungaCast and get at least two original episodes a month? Sign up at patreon.com slash BungaCast right now. $5 a month patrons get access to exclusive episodes like our in-depth analyses of present history. You know, the big stuff that's happening right now. As well as chats with our regular guests, extended interviews with the key thinkers trying to understand our world today, and much more. For $10 a month, you join the BungaCast Reading Club the place for those of us who are serious about equipping ourselves with the necessary intellectual tools for understanding the world and seeking to change it. Phil, George, and myself, Alex, look forward to seeing you there. Patreon.com slash BungaCast.